number 4 and verse number 21. John chapter 4, verse 21. Jesus is talking to the woman at Jacob's well. He gives to her at the end of their conversation a very, very great truth that we want to spend just a few moments tonight looking into. Amen. Praise God. John chapter 4, verse number 21 through 23. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem worship the Father. There was a conversation about where worship should be done, whether it should be done in Samaria or whether it should be done in Jerusalem. Jesus said there's coming a time when the location is not what is important. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. Verse 23, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth for the Father seeketh such to worship him. I think it would be good if we worshiped him right now. Lord, we thank you and praise you and come before you with singing, with worship, with praise upon our lips as we give to you adoration and we give to you glory for there is none like you and there is none beside you. There is none else. And we honor you and thank you. Amen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to talk tonight for just a moment on the theological distinction the theological distinction between praise and worship. Amen. There is a distinction between those. You can be seated. God bless you. What is the difference between praise and worship? Praise and worship time that we've spent here tonight that we call praise and worship is a special time in a church service when everyone stands and sings songs to glorify God. But do these words mean the same thing or are they different notions? And what is then the difference between the two? And so that is our task here tonight. And at some point, I think it can be wrapped up in one statement. So hopefully I will not spend too long. <laughs> I don't want to give away the one statement. I'll give away the statement at the end. Uh, so as not to confuse anybody as to why we're spending all this other time <laughs> going through all of this. But it can be wrapped up in one statement. Our text verse in John chapter 4 talks about worshiping the Father in spirit and in truth. And so our task tonight is to look at what it means when the word is used in the New Testament, whether it's praise or whether it's worship whether it's used in the New Testament or the Old Testament, to look up those words to make sure that we define them correctly. Worship as defined in our text, when Jesus said, the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, and the Father seeketh such to worship him. That's coming from a Greek word, and I'll not bore you with the actual pronunciations of the Greek and the Hebrew words, but that particular word means to make obeisance to the gods or their images or to fall down and worship, especially in the oriental fashion of prostrating oneself before kings and superiors. So Jesus is saying he's looking for true worshipers, 
that are not going to just give him lip service, but true worshipers are going to make obeisance, recognizing that he is a king, and therefore we are subjects of the king. Anyone thankful tonight that you serve the king of kings and you serve the Lord of lords? Praise God. And he's worthy to follow. He's worthy to pay obeisance. Some things are not worth your time. But when you serve God, it pays to recognize that God is superior in everything. And that's what the word means in this text in John chapter 4 and verse 21 when Jesus is talking about true worshipers, people that are going to recognize his power, his ability, and serve him based on that understanding. In the Old Testament, there are references made to worship like Genesis chapter 22 and verse number 5. Abraham said to his young men, he's going up to sacrifice with Isaac into Mount Moriah. He says, abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Abraham said, I'm going to worship. What did he mean by that? And what does that particular Hebrew word mean? It means to bow down. It means to prostrate oneself before a monarch or superior in homage, etc., before God in worship. And so this word parallels and is connected to the New Testament word. So worshiping means to recognize God, to bow down before him, not only physically, but in a heart condition that produces a commitment and a walk with God. Abraham said, I'm going to worship. It was going to be a sacrifice. He didn't know completely how this was all going to come about. But he was going and he was saying, I'm going to sacrifice to God because God has asked me of something. So I'm not just saying it with my mouth. I've, I've gathered all the materials. <laughs> I've made the trip to this mountain. And Isaac and I are going up into the mountain and we are going to trust God because we are going to be a servant of the one true God. And if God tells me to do something in Abraham's mind, I'm going to do it even when I don't understand it because my trust is in the God that I am serving that has called me to a greater promise, a greater purpose, and a greater destiny. And so because of that, I'm going to follow after him. And so he went to worship. We can find other instances. That particular word is, is unique. And there are really three main words in the Hebrew that talk about worshiping. And then there's other nuances, but the three main ones, that one is one of them, Abraham's worship before the Lord. We can also read another word in the Hebrew that talks about praise, which is different than worship. And we're trying to understand what is the distinction between those two words. In the Greek and in the Hebrew, it means to show obeisance to God, to serve him. What does praise mean? Psalm 150. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with a psaltery and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. 
Praise him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. That comes from a Hebrew word which is halal. Every single one of those praise comes from the word halal, which means to be boastful and to praise God for what God does, his mighty acts. So when you praise God, you're lifting up your voice declaring in a boastful manner, God is very, very worthy to receive adoration. And I'm willing to step out and boast and talk about his mighty acts and his greatness and his goodness. When you praise the Lord, you're talking about what God does. Has he done anything good for you in the house tonight? Is there any mighty acts that you can declare and testify? God, you are worthy to receive praise. And I'm going to boast about it. Amen. I'm going to be boastful about it. That's the root word for hallelujah. Halal is the root word for hallelujah. Halal, praise, be boastful, you, yah. So there's three parts to hallelujah. Halal, praise or be boastful, you, which means you, and yah, which is a shortened version of Jehovah. So when you say, it's kind of interesting, when you say hallelujah, you're saying you praise God. Amen. You praise God. You praise God. So when somebody says hallelujah, what you need to give them back is hallelujah. You praise God. Praise God. So when I say it, I'm saying it to you. And when you're saying it, you're saying it to me. And so it goes back and forth. So somebody in the house of God here tonight, hallelujah. Amen. See that? Praise God. That gets us all to praising God for his goodness. In Genesis 29 and verse 35, this was Leah. She conceived again and bare a son, and she said, Now I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah and left bearing. So this is the second understanding. Actually, this would be the third understanding. In the Hebrew, this comes from a word which is yada. So halal and yada and Abraham, when he said, I'm going to worship God, it is shuddah. So you have three words here that are describing praise, not worship, but praise. And in this reference in Genesis 29, Leah said, I will praise the Lord. <clears throat> what does that mean? She had a child and she said, I will pray and I'm going to call his name Judah. And that was the end of her child bearing. That word means to give thanks or to confess or to acknowledge. It means to also, in that giving of thanks, provide some kind of gesture that accompanies the act. So it means to give thanks. It means to laud. It means to praise. So you can see that in the Hebrew, there are variants of what it means to worship. Abraham, when he went to sacrifice, he said, I'm going to worship. And what he meant by that is God, who is greater than I, who is superior to me. I'm going to obey and show obeisance. Even when I don't understand what he's asking of me, I'm going to go and worship. And in our text, we read where Jesus said the true worshipers, same kind of understanding, those that are going to serve me. So those are the connotations of worship. And then when it comes to praise in the Old Testament, 
It means these variants, be boastful, praise, give thanks, confess. Psalm 136 and verse 1. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the God of gods, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endureth forever. So in that form of praise, you're giving thanks to God and recognizing that his mercy is worth praising for. Are you thankful for the mercy of God and the hand of God? If that's the case, the psalmist said, sing and say, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. Amen. The last version of Hebrew understanding of praise is samar, which means to make music in praise of God. I'm going to praise you in a song by playing musical instruments. Psalm 47 and verse number 5. God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the shout with the sound of a trumpet, sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises unto our king, sing praises, for God is the king of all the earth. Sing you praises with understanding. So this version of praising God is defined especially in a song. And typically when we're talking about praise, we're talking about showing thanks. We're talking about being boastful to God in our actions, dancing, worshiping, lifting our hands. And in this version, it is all coming together because it is praise that is centered around a song. And this is where there is a comparison that can be made between what praise is and what worship is. Most people see worship as a slow and melodious song. And some think praise is a fast and a song that is dancing to God. But these two words mean two different things. They're two very different things. Amen. So, but they're also closely connected. So when we say praise and worship, we're connecting the two words together because they are connected and yet they are different at the same time. I just want to say this here tonight. I'm thankful that I have breath to breathe to praise God and worship God, but I'm also thankful that I know who he is and because I know who he is, it sets the tone for some things in my life. Let's clap our hands and thank the Lord together for an understanding of his greatness and his goodness. And we give him thanks and we praise him. Praise is appreciating God, especially in songs. And it's joyfully recounting the things that God has done and showing him gratitude for it. It usually goes along with thanksgiving. Amen. So we praise him in a song. We give thanks in a song. But praise is a universal thing and can be applied to anybody. And it doesn't require much from us other than the acknowledgement of the righteous acts of God. Most of the time, it's presented as highly spirited, joyful, and uninhibited. And God asks all of creation to praise him. Praise God. But you can praise other things than God. Praise is a recognition of an act. Praise is a recognition of an action. And in the biblical terminology and studying this, praise is something that happens when people come together and form a song around what God is doing. 
And they acknowledge him and they worship him in that. And they, they praise him and they thank him. This is one of the reasons why it's interesting to note that in Luke 19 and verse 37, when he's coming, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and to praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the king that comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. Jesus was saying even built into the DNA of inanimate objects, they are to praise me because they were created by me. How much more should we who are not inanimate objects but have the breath to breathe and the ability to praise God? We're greater than a rock and a tree and a, and, and a, a river and a stream and all the other creative purposes that God has put into the world. God breathed into you the breath of life. Therefore, it should be our responsibility to recognize God has done great things. God has done worthy things. Things. And I'm going to be thankful and magnify him and praise him. I'm going to boast of his goodness. I'm going to declare his greatness. Praise God. That's what praise is. Woe be to us if our mouths are shut and we don't boast about the goodness of God. How is anybody else going to know that he has done mighty acts, that he's done marvelous things, that we are the redeemed of the Lord and we should say so? Hallelujah. Praise God. Why don't you say so just for a moment here tonight? Hallelujah, I praise you and thank you. I worship you, Lord, and have much, much, much to be thankful for and about in the house of God. So praise, praise is usually centered around a song. Stop and think about this. This is kind of interesting. In Acts chapter 16 and verse 25. And at midnight... Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Now, I, I, I want you to think about this for a minute. They're in prison, and their feet are in the stocks. And based upon what we have defined praise so far as, it's boasting about God, it's giving thanks, and it's centered in a song. And here they are in a condition that is pretty depressing. And yet they refuse to allow the condition to dictate the terms to them. They prayed and sang praises. In other words, at one of their very lowest, they said, it doesn't matter if we're in the inner prison or if we're out on the streets. We're in this place. We're going to lift up our voice and boast that no matter that we may be in prison, 
God is still greater than prison walls. And he's greater than anything that could come against us. And we're still going to praise him. You know what they were coming off of? A Holy Ghost explosion in an upper room and a power of the Holy Ghost that they recognized. There's no way you can contain the move of God's presence. And so in the midst of this place, we're going to give him. We're going to boast. Come on, nudge your neighbor and tell them, you need to start boasting. <laughs> Praise God. I'm not talking about a selfish, carnal boasting. Praise God. But when it comes to boasting about God, you have every right to boast about the one that you serve. I've had conversations with some of you this week that God opened up a way for you and a door for you. That's absolutely amazing. Now, you can just say that was happenstance, but I say as a child of God, that's God working on my behalf and showing me favor. And so I'm going to boast and testify about God's goodness. I've had lunch with some of y'all, and you've told me some things that it's only the mercy of God and the grace of God and how you ended up on that church pew with the blessings of God in your life. I'm still a little bit confused by it, but that just shows me that I'm not God, but he is. And I'm thankful that I'm not God and that he is. God, praise God. Praise the Lord, Captain. Amen. Captain just walked into the building. I like that when people just show up right in the middle of service, right off of work. Because you missed, you got, well, if, if 8, let's say 8.30 or 8.40, you're going to get about 25, 25, 30 minutes. But 25 to 30 minutes is better than nothing. Praise God. <clears throat> you can praise him by lifting your hands. Lift your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. You can praise him with singing. Praise the Lord for it is good to sing praises to God. You can praise him with your words. Let us continually offer sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. You can praise him with dancing and instruments. Let them praise his name with the dance, let them sing praises to him with the timbrel and harp. And you can praise him in fellowship with other believers. I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. So praise is boasting about God. It's being thankful to God. And usually it's centered in a song. So if that's what praise is, and praise, praise is, is, is acknowledging God's mighty acts. Anybody can, can give God praise for his mighty acts. Anybody can do that. I mean, when God does marvelous things, sometimes people that are not even believers have to step back and say, have you ever heard of situations in hospitals and circumstances where a doctor will say something like, I know you're a person of faith, and I, I really don't understand this, but something has happened here that's beyond my comprehension. 
What's he doing? He's praising God because it's a God thing. He doesn't know. It wasn't his doing. He's, he's just a practicing physician. But the great physician did something that even somebody that may not even be a person of faith says. So praises of God is a recognition of his acts. So now what is worship? Because worship is distinct from praise, though they are interconnected. It can be a part of, praise can be a part of worship, but worship is different than praise because it goes deeper than praise. It goes deeper than praise. And it's something that, is, that comes out from the spirit. John chapter 4 and verse 24, the true worship, now is the time when the true worshipers will worship in what? Spirit and in truth. So true worship is deeper than just praising God because it's connected to a spiritual thing and a doctrinal thing. Praise God. That's really good right there. It's a Holy Ghost thing, and it's a doctrinal thing. They, he's looking for true worshipers that worship him in spirit and in truth. So it's deeper than just the acknowledgement of God's mighty acts. There is a commitment and a lifestyle that flows out of worship. In the Bible, this is what Jesus talked about in John chapter 4 and verse number 24. Worship for apostolic Christians goes beyond singing. Songs are tools for worshiping. Praise stems from recognizing the good acts of God. But worship is a deeper life experience. Now, we're making the connection here. I praise God because I'm thankful. I boast about God because I understand his mighty acts. And I do it a lot of times centered around a song. That's praise. But worship is something that is deeper, that is connected to a spiritual transformation, and that is also connected to a doctrinal transformation so that it comes out in my life and the way that I obey the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I'm in obeisance to the King because I am a subject of the King. What subject just does whatever he wants to do? That wouldn't make any sense. A righteous subject of the King is going to do and follow the dictates of the King. And ladies and gentlemen, you're serving the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You are not serving a dead God. You're serving a living God. So I'm not just acknowledging his mighty acts. I am living the experience of the God that I'm serving, and it's deeper than just giving him praise. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That is a description. Worship is never mentioned in any of that, but that is a definition of what worship is. Now, you could incorporate some praise into that, but there's a deeper meaning there that God does a transformative work in your life. Amen. And then based upon that transformative work in your life, it comes out in your life style. Amen. So there is a commitment and, it, and out of it flows worship to God. When you are worshiping something, it changes, 
everything about you. And when you're worshiping something, there is no way but for praise to come out of that worship experience. Is there anybody that would worship God and yet no praise would come out? That would, that would defy logic. But when you worship God and you recognize that God is transforming and doing a renewing work in my heart and life, automatically flowing out of that worship, out of that obedience to God is what? Praise. Praise is, is a byproduct of worship. Worship is something deeper. It's not just something that you declare about the mighty acts of God. It's not quite as easy as that. And anybody can praise God, but not everybody can worship God. See, there's a different. The doctor that is sitting there saying, I don't know what has happened here, but I know you're a person of faith, and that's all I can say. Maybe it's a God thing. Is praising God, but he's not worshiping God. Because if he was, if he was worshiping God, he would say, I want to know more about that God that you're serving. I want to find out more about that. What he would also do is he would find a place of repentance because that's a biblical understanding of doctrine, and he would repent of his sins. And what he would also do is he would be baptized in a name that's above every name because he would want to identify his life with that name for the remission of his sins. And he would also have the opportunity to receive the Holy Ghost and the spirit of God in his life that would cause transforming initiatives that would change his life. See the distinction or the difference? In ancient times, you go back into the Old Testament and you look at worship, Israel had a broad concept of worship. They worshiped in their home as well as the temple several times a day and not merely on the Sabbath and at great festivals. It was both an individual Family worship, and it was worship with the whole nation. And so this was one of the constants that came out even in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart. Okay, but then it also says in verse number 7, you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Worship was incorporated into every fabric and every area of your life. Praise God. To the point where they even put fringes on their garments so that they would remember the name of the Lord. They put little mezuzahs on their house that contained the Shema to remind them because, because worship wasn't just showing up on the Sabbath and then and then, then walking away and, and doing whatever you were going to do the rest of the week. Worship was a part of your everyday life. Woe be to us if we separate worship from Tuesday night, Sunday morning, and Sunday night, live like the devil, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then come and praise, 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 and there's no transformation, and there's no obedience to the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? <laughs> we need to make sure that incorporated into the fabric of our life from the very praying for your food is an act of worship. You know why you do that? Because you're saying the provisions of that didn't come from, it didn't come from me working a 40-hour, 50-hour, 60-hour, and if you're robbed, 70 hours. Right? It didn't come from you doing that. It came from God giving me the abilities to work on the job and then getting the job. And so when I'm praying for my food, it is a blessing from God, and it's part of my worship to God. It's every area of my life. 
And in that ancient practice, in the home was just as important as the church. Oh, Lord, help me, help me, help me, help me. You need to live for God in your home the same way you live for God here on a Sunday night when the power of God is moving. The transferring from here to there and from there to here should be consistent. You're going to have a lot of heartache, confusion, and hypocrisy among a lot of people close to you if you don't recognize this thing about living for God is about every waking, breathing moment. It's all integrated into who I am. From the moment I get up to the moment I lay my head on a pillow, I'm serving God and I'm worshiping God. Praise God. They, they incorporated all of those things from their home. And they had these reminders A lot of their social customs had significance. The bro prohibition of mixtures, which to us seems like confusing. And you go over there and you can't have some foods because they have to be separated. And you, you come from America and you may ask some of the dumbest questions if you don't know some of those things. And they still follow those prohibitions. Food laws and the insistent on ritual washing. All, all of this it, it incorporated every area of their life. Eating meat was only permitted if the blood was drained out of the animal first. And keeping all of these faithful customs was their occasion to incorporate worship into every area of their life. I want to ask you here tonight, is worship something that runs through every part of your day? Or do we, do we separate it? I got work and I got to do this and then, then I got to go to church. When it should be. All throughout this day when I'm working, I'm working for the kingdom of God. I'm worshiping God in what I'm doing. I'm giving God praise and glory, and I'm also going to go to church. They're not, they're not separate. They're not mutually exclusive. They are together. They went to a, as a family to worship in the temple. Nationally, on a national level, three times a year, all the adult men went to the temple to celebrate the national festivals, Passover, the Feast of Booze, and, and, and they would go, the Feast of Weeks. And they would go in April, and they would go in May, and they would go in October as a, as, as a national identity that this is about worship. When the temple was destroyed, the synagogues developed in the intertestamental periods, and public worship started looking more like modern worship. And so there was prayer and Bible reading, and there were preaching, but there were no sacrifices. And when the second temple was destroyed in AD 70, the synagogues became the only places where Jews could worship in public. There were no more sacrifices. And the New Testament sees this as fitting because Jesus was the true Lamb of God. Amen. And because of his death, there is no need for any further animal sacrifice. God has brought peace between man and God. But we still are supposed to come together for public worship. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 says, Not the forsaking of the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is. Amen. But so much the more, as you see, the day approaching. Church Attendance is important. Now, I understand if you're not here for some reasons and you're having to view things online, 
that is secondary. That is not primary. There is nothing that, that is going to measure up to having real church together as the people of God. It's nice if you're out of town. It's nice if you're sick. It's nice if you're elderly and you can't get here. It's nice for all of those things. But ultimately, we, we are connected as the people of God. And true worship, according to the scripture, involves public worship. I don't want to miss coming to the house of God. I want to be in the house of God. Why? Because it's part of my duty to the king of kings. I'm paying obeisance to the king. And so it's coming out in my worship to him. Worship comes from the core of who the worshiper is and what God means to them. And so that means to surrender. That means surrendering totally to God, not just for what he's done, but for who he is. Amen. It's a lifestyle. Worship. Everyone say worship is a lifestyle. It means bowing before the Lord, not only physically, but also in heart. Amen. And praise comes out of that heart of worship. John chapter 9 and verse 35, this was the man that was blind, that was healed. He was brought before the elders and the chief priests and they grilled him. Jesus heard when they had cast him out and when he'd found him, he said unto him, do you believe on the son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. He didn't, he didn't praise him. Praising he did when he was testifying to the, In one particular case, they asked him something, and he said, Well, this one thing I do know. <laughs> okay. I once was blind, but now I see. So that's praise because that's a mighty act of God. But in this case, he's not just acknowledging the mighty acts of God. He worshipped him, which means that he became a disciple, that he obeyed because he recognized there was one greater, and it impacted his, his life. Praise God. In conclusion, here tonight, Brother McAllister comes. Praise and worship is not limited to just Christians because some people sing praises to other people and even praises to other deities. Some people also worship other human beings, especially when that person means everything to them. So worship can be seen as an act of reverence and honor for someone or something that a person places his or her faith in. I'm going to put my faith and I'm going to put my confidence in the Lord. Praise God, and I'm going to serve him. Now, I can wrap up this entire, th this, this lesson was, Sister Priscilla is the one that asked me. I call her Sister Priscilla. She asked me, Pastor, what's the difference between praise and worship? Because I'm reading the scripture, and I'm saying the two terms, and what's the difference? And so I took the opportunity here to talk about it. You can wrap it all up in a simple phrase that would be convenient to, to understand the, the difference. Everyone can praise God. 
but not everyone worships God. Right? Everybody can praise God's mighty acts and his greatness, but not everybody's a true worshiper. And that's the distinction. When you worship God, there is a depth that goes all the way down to the core of who you are and it comes out in your lifestyle. But anybody can lift praises and worship God in a song, an acknowledgement of his mighty acts. But there is a huge theological distinction between those two words. Praise God. I want to be a true worshiper. I want to praise God. I'm going to do that. But it's going to come out of my worship to God and my lifestyle. Amen. I don't want to be on the outside talking about how great the king is, but not following the dictates of the king. Amen. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 14 says, Above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body. And be ye thankful. Let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, whatever you do in word or deed. Now, he's, now see, now he's bringing, Paul was bringing praise and worship together, but he understands and recognizes you can sing spiritual psalms and hymns and and, and you can admonish one another and you can sing with grace in your hearts. But then he said, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Your worship, your doing, whatever you do in word or deed is for the glory of God. I don't care how small and insignificant it may seem. It's to the glory of God. Praise God. If you're vacuuming in the house, that's to the glory of God. Praise God. What? You think that's glory to the devil? Huh? Impossible. When I'm cleaning, when I'm taking the trash out. You listen to me, young people. When your parents say, hey, the trash needs to be taken out. And you go grumbling over there and grab it. You should walk over there with confidence and rip that bag out of the trash and take it to the trash can and say, I am doing the work of God. Because everything you do is worship to the King of Kings. Praise God. It comes out in every single area of your lifestyle. Your work on the job is worship. Your work at home is worship. Your servitude to other people is worship. And it runs deeper than just praising God for his excellent greatness and all the things that he does. Whatsoever you do in word or deed. Amen. Acts chapter 2 and verse 46 as we stand together. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. You know why they were praising God and having favor with all the people? It's because their lifestyle and their worship to God was bringing forth praise daily, daily. Amen. I'm going to praise him with boldness for his mighty acts. Amen. And I'm going to live deeper in reverence and obedience to the king. Praise God. I want to be like Abraham that said, I'm going to worship.
Well, Abraham, this doesn't look like, a, this looks kind of negative and depressing. And he's asking you to sacrifice your only son. Abraham said, I'm going to worship because I am showing obeisance to the king of kings. Whatever happens over there, it's going to be a God thing. And what happens is a God thing because God prepares himself a sacrifice and then tells Abraham, I know exactly what your heart is and where your faith is. He became the father of the faithful because of a deep worship in his life. Praise God. And this should be something that we all desire as well because it matters Exodus chapter 20 and verse 2 I am the Lord thy God which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt out of the house of bondage thou shalt have no other gods before me thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them for I the Lord thy God am a jealous God. God is intentional about you serving and worshiping him. And when you worship and serve him, there's great blessing that comes out of it. And out of that blessing comes a lot of praise. Because I recognize if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, where? Where, where would I be if it hadn't been for the Lord directing every step that I take? Amen. I want to give him praise and I want to worship him in a depth that shows my thanksgiving to him. Praise God. Why don't you lift your hands together as they begin to sing tonight in conclusion of a service and give him worship. Praise God. And give him praise. Worship Praise you. God. I love you, Lord, and thank you. Lord, I, I give you all my heart you. and my mind and my soul, everything, Lord. Praise God. Come on, let's step out of the pew where you are. Let's walk to the front just for a moment here tonight. Amen. Let's end this service tonight. Hallelujah. By making a declaration.